Tonight we have the, the privilege of remembering the incredible cost of our salvation. The price that was paid to redeem us, to buy us back, to bring us into a right relationship with the God that created us, the God who loves us. As we turn our attention to the scriptures, as we think on Good Friday, because it is only good for those who love the Lord. It's not good if you don't know the Lord. At the best, it may be a religious holiday. At the worst, it may be meaningless. It could even be blasphemous to some. Tonight, we're going to have the privilege of coming to the communion table. And as we come there, I I want to remind you, if you're visiting with us, that we will be distributing the elements of communion, both the bread and the cup, to the entire congregation. It's intended only for those who know the Lord personally. It's not a religious thing. It's a relational thing. Jesus speaking to his disciples said, Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes. And so as the elements come to you, if you're here tonight and perhaps you do not know the Lord Jesus personally, you can solve the whole dilemma by inviting Christ into your life before we come to the table. Jesus Christ declared of himself in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, the life and no one comes to the father but by me and in doing so he made it very clear who his disciples were those that have invited him into his into their lives ask him to be savior ask him to be your lord forgive your sin cleanse you of that sin Put your name in his book of life in heaven. Invite the Holy Spirit to take up residence. A simple prayer. Lord, I repent for my sin. I ask you to forgive it. To cleanse me. And to make me your child. Do that before the elements come. And then please join us at your first communion. If you choose not to. And you know who you are, if you're here tonight and you do not know the Lord, then I want to encourage you to just simply allow the plate to pass you by. Please do not partake. For to do so is a dangerous thing. Scripture actually says that there are those who have fallen asleep, and it's a euphemism for those who have died for taking lightly the Lord's Supper. So please, just simply allow it to go by. It's okay. I would ask that you would Believe and receive and partake, but if you choose the other route, then that's for you to do.
But tonight, as the body of Christ, we come to the Lord's table remembering the incredible price that Jesus paid on Calvary's cross. She turned to John's gospel, and as we spend a little bit of time in chapter 15. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been around someone who is knowledgeable that their last day on earth is coming soon. I've sat in hospital rooms, I've sat in bedsides, I've been in homes with people who knew uh, that they would not see another sunrise. And it's always an interesting study into the character of that person as to what it is that they leave with their loved ones the last night that they're here on this earth. In John chapter 15, we have the words, the very last sermon, the last message that Jesus taught his disciples on the night that he would be betrayed within 24 hours Jesus will be dead. So this message is the last message that Jesus gave to the body of Christ, believers. And so as we prepare our hearts to come to the communion table, to celebrate that incredible price that was paid, I want to give us a little insight tonight as to not just the price of the cross, but what Jesus wanted us to do with what he gave us at the cross. Because he hasn't just saved us to make sure that we make it to heaven, though that is surely part of it. And it may be the thing that we're most grateful for most of the time. But Jesus has saved us To give us life, and that life, abundant life. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the incredible cost of the cross. Lord God in heaven, you gave up your only begotten son. You allowed him to be beaten and bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement For our peace was upon your son Jesus. And Lord Jesus you considered it not robbery. To take upon yourself the form of a man. Come to this wretched earth. Live your life for 32 and a half years. And then be arrested and slain. For our sin. The good news is that Easter morning is coming. But tonight we celebrate what you did that final night of your life. And we ask that your word would come alive to us and begin even now to prepare our hearts to receive the elements of communion at your table, Jesus. We bless you. Holy Spirit, come and make your word alive to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. These first four verses, I want you to kind of picture yourself because after all, you're all disciples. If you're here tonight and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that also makes you a disciple. 
And so you could have well been in this group sitting with Jesus. So get in close. Open up your ears. And hear what the Lord said to his disciples on the night he was betrayed. This is his final I am statement. He he makes seven of them. And they all begin with the same Greek phrase, ego ma, I am. And, And what he's saying is, and it was what the Pharisees objected to, he was equating himself to Yahweh, Lord of hosts. He uses the name that is the unspeakable name. He said, I am, because that is exactly what God told Moses to say to Pharaoh when Moses didn't know what to say. What shall I say to them? I I stutter, I stammer. And God says to Moses, you tell them that I am who I am sent you. And so Jesus, again, equating himself to God, says, I am, verse 1, John 15, the true vine. Jesus is the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And so he takes us to a very common picture that we still to this day find in Israel. The vine, the branches. The fruit. When you travel this day to Israel, there are vineyards all over the country, and many of them have rootstock that have been growing for hundreds, some of them perhaps even thousands of years. But he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, and every branch in me, and notice he's qualifying this, if he's the vine, In him means those who are believers. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And before you get too concerned about whether Jesus is saying he might take away your salvation, the words translated there, takes away, are better translated, lifts up. He's not saying he's going to take away your place in the kingdom, but he's saying, look, If you're not bearing fruit, we need to change that. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. And so you begin to see this picture of some baskets of fruit. You see, the reason that we are still here is not to just simply rejoice that we're saved and we're going to heaven. It is to bear fruit. We, we have not been saved so that we can sit around and rest in our laurels that we're one day going to be with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords personally. We've been left here with a purpose. And that purpose is abundant life. And so he says, if you bear fruit, he's going to prune you. That it may bear more fruit. So you see three baskets already. You see one with no fruit. You see some with some fruit. You see one that bears more fruit. You're already clean. And now he gives us a picture of why that phrase translated takes away is better 
lifted up. He, he cleans the branches of the vine. He pulls them up out of the dirt, out of the mire. We have had our feet set on that firm foundation, pulled out of the miry clay and on to the rock, which is Jesus. He says, I, I placed you there for a purpose, for a reason. As the church, we have been given the precious privilege of bearing fruit, being productive, taking what God has done in our lives and doing something with it that matters eternally. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you, and now he says, abide in me. And throughout this passage, and if you were to read the entirety of it, He says, abide in me. And it's as if he's beating a drum. Abide, 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 abide. Live in, dwell in, make your home in. Get comfortable in. Don't go anywhere else. Abide in me. Stay grafted firmly into the vine. Abide in me. You're my family. Dwell with me. Don't wander away from home. Don't be a trailing branch that seeks out on its own. Don't be one of those things that we often cut off of grapevines, a a sucker, a a sapling that, that takes the nutrients of the vine and wastes them growing Very long branches that produce no fruit. Abide, stay close. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. When you take the branch off of an olive tree or off of a grapevine or anything that produces its fruit from expanding from a rootstock, it dies. It can produce no fruit. And so the final message that Jesus delivers to his disciples on the night that he is betrayed is abide in me. Stay close to the vine and produce fruit. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And he says it again, I am the vine. And now he tells us who were the branches. You. You could have been there. He could have pointed at you and said, you are the branches. He could have said, look, here's the grapevine. Do you see it? Here's the rootstock. Every single branch that's on this is grafted into that rootstock. And now notice what he says. For he who abides in me and I in him... Bears much fruit. There's the fourth basket. The first one has none. The second one has a little. The third one has more fruit. And the final basket, the one that really pleases the vine dresser. The one that God says, that's what I want. That's what I've saved you to do. The one who abides, the one that sticks close to the Lord, bears much fruit, abundant fruit, 
abounding fruit, fruit that spills out of the basket. For without me, you can do nothing. You see, Jesus is speaking to us about really the reasoning behind the cross. You know, we we think of it purely uh, at this time, very often from purely the issue of our salvation. But let's broaden it a little bit to remind ourselves that we have been saved to something. We've not just been saved from something, which is sin and death. We have been saved to something, which is abundant life in Christ. We've been saved for a purpose. God has plans for his church, for his branches growing on his vine in God's vineyard, and that is for us to bear fruit. And so Jesus takes these words, these final words that he's going to speak to his disciples, and he tells them, look, I'm going to die. I'm dying for a purpose. That purpose is to make you bear much fruit. You see, there's a lot of baskets in the kingdom of God. And unfortunately, a lot of them are empty. You'd have a tough time going into the bottom of the basket and finding a grape. The only thing that you really find in that basket is is the fruit of salvation. You'd find the fruit that was produced in you when the Holy Spirit was placed in your life because you said yes to Jesus. And then you find a whole lot of baskets that have a little bit of fruit in them. Maybe there's some joy and peace. Perhaps a little gentleness, some self-control. And then you have some where there's a significant amount of fruit. And then there's the ones that really put a smile on our Father's face. And that's the ones that are overflowing with fruit. What kind of basket are you? What kind of fruit producer are you tonight? You see, the price that was paid is sufficient to make you an overflowing basket. The price that was paid purchased your place on the vine. Grafted you in. But Jesus said, I've taken care of that part, but you need to abide. You need to rest in me. You need to take your nutrition from my rootstock, from my goodness, from my word. And so we have some lessons from the vine tonight. You see, God the Father paid dearly for you to be a branch. For me to be a branch. For us to be branches. He gave up his own son. And furthermore, he allowed his own son to hang on Calvary's cross. But before he ever got there, Jesus was stripped bare. 
He was beaten in the courtyard of Pilate in the Antonia Fortress. He had a crown of thorns from a dome tree pressed onto his head and beat onto his head all the way to his skull with a stick. And then already being near death, he was forced to carry his own cross the better part of a half mile from the place of his beating to the place of his crucifixion. And all the while being mocked and jeered and spit on. Humiliated. Only to carry that cross beam to that location to be nailed to it. And then stood up and just exactly as the prophet David declared, the hounds of Bashan surrounded him. And those who saw him took no delight in him for he was so disfigured that he was not a man. You see, God paid a great price to allow your branch to be on the vine. Don't forget that. So when the vine dresser comes along and says, you know, Jeff, I'd really like for you to be producing some fruit for me because the cost of you being in my vineyard was my son Jesus. Takes a whole different meaning, doesn't it? You see, sometimes we isolate these passages away from our salvation experience. But tonight I say to you that you being on the vine mattered to God. So much so that he did give up his own son. And so God, the vine dresser, comes along and he says, Look, I I really don't want dead, dried out, useless branches Branches that only produce leaves. I have desired to produce fruit out of your life. You have an opportunity for God to use you. For God to bless you. For God to work in your life in such a way that as you hear these words, think of yourself. What are you doing with the price that was paid? What's happening from your life? Oh, it's wonderful that we're going to heaven. Amen? It's wonderful to me. It's tremendous. But you see, now the question comes to me. Am I a one-hit wonder? Do I just accept the grace of God? And that's where my experience with the Lord ends? You know, some of us in this room are a little older than some of the rest of us in this room. And, and back in the day, we had a radio station in San Diego. It was, it was Boss 105. It was a station KFMB owned, and, and it was an all-hits, all-the-time station. 
But it used to be that there was an awful lot of bands, and it seems like it still happens, but a little less, you know, a little more occasionally now. But I can remember back, and some of you probably remember, there were groups like the Safaris who came up with Wipeout. It was a one-hit wonder. That one song, that's it. You, you may have remembered uh, Jeannie Riley's Harper Valley PTA. I'm giving away my age here. One, the only song she ever recorded. That was it. Or Vicki Lawrence's The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. You know, it's like this incredible song. It's played for six months and she disappears. Goes to the island of lost singers, I guess. You see, once the spotlights are off and... Once reality sinks in, you see, when you give your life to Christ, the angels in heaven throw a party. What are you doing after the party is over, is my question for you tonight. What are you doing in response to the party that was thrown in heaven? Or are you like these three songs? And you can probably think of your own. Are you just a one-hit wonder? You got saved, you're grateful for it, but you're doing nothing with it. I'm challenging you tonight because of the cross. You see, sometimes we treat God very much like a vending machine. We want what we want, and we press E6, and we expect God to do whatever it is that's in E6. You know, it's an Audi R8 or something, who knows? Something that you want, something that you need, something you think God should do for you. That's not actually how your life is supposed to look. You're supposed to be abiding in the vine. It says, without me, you can do nothing. We're not supposed to be able to function cut off from the vine. And if we are grafted into the vine, if we are on point and on mission, then we should be producing fruit. We should not be one-hit wonders. There should be something tangible that happens with us as the body of Christ. We can't just simply say, Lord, bless me, but bless me on my conditions. No, the condition of your blessing is the cross of Christ. You are blessed because you have received the grace of God by faith. That's why you're blessed. The question is, what are you doing with the grace of God? What are you doing with it? You see, we approach God with our agendas. We ask for abundant spiritual life, but we want that spiritual life to look the way we want it to look. And notice it says, my father is the vine dresser. God has a plan for your branch in his vineyard. The question is, are you going to submit to that plan? And because of that, we need to remember why. We, we need to think on these things. You were actually created, the book of Ephesians tells us there in chapter 2, for good works. It's the same thing as fruit. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. That you should actually 
walk in them, do them, produce them, make a basket that makes the Lord happy, puts a smile on his face. Now, before anybody thinks, well, I'm not a missionary or I'm not a pastor, I really can't stand children, so I can't teach children's ministry, and I don't have anything really to give. That's not what the Lord's talking about. He's talking about you being you, but being all of you for Him. Whatever that is. He gave you 100% of Jesus. You need to give Him 100% of you. That's the picture. You need to abide. Snuggle up close and say, God, what do you want out of my life? We find from this passage, we know what it isn't. He doesn't want branches. He doesn't want leaves. He wants grapes. He wants us to produce things that are good and lovely and of a good report. He doesn't want rotten, stinky things. He doesn't want dead wood. What he says is that's good for the fireplace. But it really doesn't put a smile on the face of the Father. And so he says we need to abide. And if we do that, we're supposed to abide in abundance. It's not a dead life. It's not we sit around and go, oh, this Christian life. We have an opportunity on Sunday morning to to show the world what it's like to rejoice in our salvation. You can be a part of that. You, You just simply invite people out. Let Phil bring them to a place. Give me the opportunity to speak the good news of the gospel to them. But your part of being grafted in is saying, why don't you join me? I know you wouldn't really go to church, but hey, we're doing this crazy thing at StubHub. You can even bring your coffee. You can have donuts. And you'll hear the gospel. You see, we're supposed to remember why this message and the why is abiding in abundance producing fruit that the vine dresser values you could do that all of us can now the fruit in your basket may be different than the fruit in mine but we can all produce fruit we can produce fruit in our values our attitudes our actions the way we love our spouses the way we raise our children, the way we do our jobs, the way we drive on the freeway. (laughs) Hallelujah, praise God. We need more Christian drivers here in L.A., amen? (laughs) Changing all the names, El Camino del Diablo. You can produce fruit. Don't think you can't. You can abide in the vine. You can praying over your meal in a restaurant. I have had so many times. Now, 
I will tell you, it's actually very funny to me. I, I, I love it. I enjoy it. Because sometimes some of you recognize that I'm eating in the same restaurant as you. And all of a sudden you start to pray. And then we'll pray over our meal. And then people are like talking. They're going like, there's a bunch of Christians in here. That's fruit. It's getting people thinking about, why are they doing that? It's a little over the top, don't you think? No, you want to see over the top? It's right there. That's over the top. Amen? Can't we bear some fruit because the cross was over the top? Can't we do that? I know we can. And I believe we will. You see, when we abide in the vine... All of a sudden, we just start bearing fruit. It's a natural outpouring from our lives because of what's going on with us. We're grafted in. We just automatically do that. You see, what God is saying is, look, if you're not abiding and you're not producing fruit, maybe you ought to look and see why. Are you trailing off in the dirt? Have you allowed your branch to sag? Do you, do you need God to pick you up and put you back on the, the trellis somewhere? Maybe your, your branch got a little dirty. Here's the beauty. God's word says he desires fruit out of your life so much that he will lift you up. And he'll rinse you off and clean you up because he loves you. He paid dearly for your life with the life of his own son. And so he pulls you up out of the dirt and he cleans off your branch and he wipes off your leaves gently and tenderly. And he says, look, we can do this together because you're grafted into Jesus. Now, Sometimes he has to prune us a little bit. Now, now there's a tree trimming crew that works in Torrance that needs to find another line of work. <laughs> and I'm looking at these poor trees, and it's like there's like one little limb sticking out of the side that's left after they trim them off. That's kind of radical. Now, I have to admit, I've since seen those trees from a few months ago, and they've got a few little twigs sticking on them, but God won't do that to you. He's not going to butcher your part of the vine. He's not going to hack your branch off to nothing. He's going to snip and clip and he'll take off parts that aren't being productive. He's going to remove relationships and take habits. He's going to take things that you used to think and help you unthink them. He's going to prune properly. He'll snip off what needs to go. And if you'll let him do that, the result is a branch that brings glory and honor to the Lord by producing fruit. We're just talking service. We're not talking salvation. We're talking what we can do in response to what has been done for us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back out. And the communion team is going to come forward now. 
And they're going to begin to pass out the elements of communion. And, and while the elements are being passed out, you're going to receive the bread first, and it will be followed by the cup. And I would ask that you would hold both elements, and we'll partake together at the end. But before we spend some time reflecting on the cross, and while we're preparing our hearts to receive, The vine dresser is speaking to you tonight. He's saying, look, I, I, I paid a great price. And I want you to bear fruit. And so would you let me clean up whatever's in your life that doesn't belong there? And so maybe before we partake of communion tonight, as the team comes forward. Maybe before that happens, you need to ask God to do some pruning in your life. Say, God, you know, I, I really have been kind of doing my own thing. My part of the branch, some of the vines that have come off of me uh, have grown in places they don't belong. And so would you ask the Lord before we partake to do some pruning of those things in your life? For some of you, you're, you're that basket with more fruit in it. There's already wonderful things that God's doing, but you know that he wants to do more. And so for you, would you pray that God would show you those new steps of faith so that you can produce much fruit. Again, maybe there's some tonight that you need to take that first step to even be a, a branch. You need only invite the Lord to be your Savior. And in doing so, you take the first step of being grafted into the vine. But as we worship, be in an attitude of prayer and ask the Lord what it is that needs to happen in your life so that you can abide in abundance. Amen.